so this summer we are spending time in the Psalms and we're looking at uh, individual Psalms, which is uh, some of a Hebrew book of poetry that is in our Bibles. And we're diving into the poems, but we're also looking at who wrote them and when they were written. Because like all art, it comes from a time and a place and a set of circumstances. So while it's beautiful poetry and songs, and it is theologically rich and meaningful, I think we get more out of them when we understand where they were written and um, kind of what the circumstances were that the author was in when they were penned. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm 34, and it was written by David, who was a great Hebrew king. And uh, before we look at, we're going to look at the context this morning in the first section, and then we're going to use the psalm to structure our worship. Um, and so we're going to look at the context, going to understand historically what's going on, but then we're going to pick up Psalm 34, and it, we're going to let it be kind of what drives our worship together. So we'll have some time uh, together in prayer and some time in singing and offering and communion, but all of that is going to come from Psalm 34. So before we jump in today, I'd like to pray for us, and then we will look at the word. Jesus, thank you so much that you are here with us this morning. Thank you that you are the God who sees us and who loves us. Thank you that you are near to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fill this space this morning. That you would help us to see you more clearly. God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would enlighten our minds, that you would uncover just even narratives in our heart, that you would help us to see reality, both the reality of our hearts and the reality of who you are and how those intersect more clearly today. And I just admit that apart from you, Lord, that is impossible. But through you, Jesus, all things are possible. And so we ask that you would make today special for each person here as they encounter you through your word. So we give this time to you, Jesus. We invite you in, Holy Spirit. We're grateful to you, Father, that we even can gather together in your presence to get to know you more. So have your way this morning. In Jesus' name. So the historical backdrop of Psalm 34 happens in the book of 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel tells us the story of King David. David was a shepherd boy, and there was a king named Saul who was in charge of the nation of Israel. And Saul turned out to not be a very good king. And David was a little shepherd boy. And the Lord told Samuel, who was kind of the prophet, who was God's voice over the nation of Israel, that it was time to anoint a new king, and they anointed David. And uh, David was not yet king, but he was promised that one day he would be king. Then David's life unfolds, and 
amazing ways is he slays the giant Goliath and gets great renown in Israel. He enters into King Saul's court. He's put in charge of an army, and he has all sorts of victory and popularity. Every time King David went out in charge of the armies, he would come back victorious. And because King David was, or I guess David at this point, was so victorious, Saul started getting super jealous because he really liked, Saul liked his own reputation, and uh, all of Israel began singing songs like, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Uh, And so King Saul was super jealous, and he started plotting against David to secure his own reputation. All this is in 1 Samuel 18 to 21, but instead of reading like four chapters of the Bible, I thought I would summarize for us. So Saul started plotting how to kill David, and he had all sorts of interesting ways that he wanted to destroy him. He um, chose to give his daughter in marriage to him, but required that he killed a hundred Philistines who were their enemies. So sent him out on an epic quest to kill, slay a hundred enemies, and uh, expecting that David would perish, but he didn't. He survived, and that made Saul upset. So Saul decided that he was going to plan even greater intrigue, have a feast, and just kill him straight up in the palace. But David had a friend in Saul's son, Jonathan, who let him know that his dad was planning on killing him. And so gave him the heads up that his dad was getting ready to kill him. And so David escaped in haste and left the country rapidly um, with a few of his close friends. They left in such a hurry that they did not have time to gather food from their, for themselves or get weapons. And so the reason we're telling this backstory is because this is leading us up to 1 Samuel 21, which is what we're focusing on today that gives us kind of the very specific context of the psalm that we're going to read today. So I want you to imagine for a second, when we hear great history, it can be difficult to like let it touch us emotionally when it happened like 4,000 years ago. And so imagine that someone wants to get you that you're running in haste for your life, and um, then this is what he's met by. Uh, King David, or I guess David, escapes, uh, heads out, stops by a temple to get some supplies, goes to meet with God, In 1 Samuel 21, it says, David came to Nob to the priest Ahimelech. Ahimelech came trembling to meet David and said, Why are you alone and no one is with you? David said to the priest Ahimelech, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, You must, no one must know anything of the matter which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, What have you at hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. 
The priest answered David, I have no ordinary bread at hand, only holy bread, provided that the young men have kept themselves from women. David answered the priest, Indeed, women have been kept from us always, and when I go on expedition, the vessels of the young men are holy. When it is a common journey, how much more today will those vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there is no bread except for the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now, um, so basically, David stops by this temple and says, He's really hungry, and he needs something to eat. He asks the priest if there's any bread, and the only bread that is available is this special bread that is used in a ritual where in Israel, since the time of Moses, um, they would put fresh bread in front of the presence of the Lord uh, in the holy place in the temple, and then they would replace it on a somewhat regular basis. And only the priests were allowed to eat that special holy bread. But um, they made an exception here and gave it to David. He also gave David the sword of Goliath, the giant that he, would slay, that he had slain when he was a younger man. And he flees to a foreign city. He escapes to Gath, which is actually the home of Goliath, and uh, is trying to get deep within enemy territory so that King Saul couldn't get him and kill him. And so David rose and... 1 Samuel 21.10, David rose and fled that day from Saul, and he went to King Achish of Gath. The servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Uh, did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of King Achish of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, and he pretended to be mad when he was in their presence. He scratched marks on the doors of the gate, and he let spit run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, this man is mad. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David left there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brothers and all his father's house heard of it. They went down there to meet him. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. Those who were with him numbered about 400. So David escaped to enemy territory. And in enemy territory, he went into the city where one of their kings lived. And his reputation preceded him. And they were afraid, he was afraid, that this enemy king would destroy him. And so he pretended that he was insane and then was able to escape to a remote cave. So... This is our backstory. This is the historical context of when this psalm that we're going to engage in today was written. And I think it makes the whole psalm so much richer when we realize what he's actually talking about and what salvation looks like to him. So we're going to read part of the first psalm, which is uh, Psalm 34. It's on your sheet here, it's exalt his name together is the heading. And we're going to read Psalm 34, 1 to 3, together out loud. So, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
And so we're going to start off our interaction with this psalm by passing offering as part of our worship. David is extolling the virtues of the Lord. He is praising him and blessing him and holding him up. And one of the ways that we can worship God is through offering and also through songs of praise. So Ralph is also going to lead us in some songs of praise after the offering, as the offering is passed. So come and magnify the Lord with me.
Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones. Those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer hunger and want, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and he rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps all their bones and none will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, but those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So we imagine David in the cave, running for his life, recently supplied with some bread he wasn't supposed to eat. And this is the Psalm that he writes. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So just like David in the cave, we want to give you an opportunity to consider in your own life, in this moment, this summer, this mid-May 2019, what are the fears in your own life? What needs saving? What needs healing? What needs rebuilt? It might be relationships. It might be a job situation. It might be your own physical health. Perhaps it's your own mental health. Perhaps it's a family situation that is just perilous and difficult. 
I imagine none of us are being chased by a mad king looking to kill us, but we could very well be working for a terrible boss or a difficult department head. Think about what are the fears now? What are the troubles that are surrounding you? I want to encourage you in that place. Financial situation. In that place, seek the Lord. In that place, turn to the Lord. With those things in your hand, turn to the Lord and cry out to him. Because just like David who provided bread and a cave, the Lord acts and delivers those who fear him. I think it's amazing when we have all the situations that can be fearful. We can hold those up in light of God and we can gaze on Jesus And the fear of the Lord overwhelms the fear of every situation. He delivered me from all my fears and he encamps around those who fear him. So in the magnitude of God, we can hold our fears up and let him illuminate and overwhelm those. So we wanna give you a few minutes to seek the Lord in the area of life that fears full of fear, bondage, brokenness, or hopelessness is to silently in your seat now to give you the opportunity to pray, to look to him, to maybe write those down and just literally hold those up to him.
What's amazing about this psalm is he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. David did not write this psalm after he had ascended to the throne. He wrote this psalm while he was hiding in a cave with 400 random dudes that were also unhappy with the kingdom. When there was a maniacal king still looking to kill him and he spends the next like decade of his life running from this same maniacal king. But I don't think he's lying. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Paul later writes, do not worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we see David literally living that verse out before it was written. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, all the areas where you have legitimate rights to be worried, running from a maniacal king or whatever it is that you just wrote down and thought about. It says, instead of worrying, make your requests be made known to God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving by talking to God and asking him for things from the place of thanksgiving. So David started this off. I'll bless the Lord's at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. He is worshiping the Lord and he is going to the Lord with the real problems. He wasn't pretending like there aren't things to be worried about. God never asks us to cover up the difficulty and the questions and the problems in our lives. He doesn't ask us to ignore them or pretend like they don't exist or to minimize the difficulty. Do not worry about anything doesn't mean minimize the things you're worried about. But it is an invitation in honesty and reality and thanksgiving on what the Lord has done in your life in the past to bring them before God so he can act supernaturally to bring peace to deliver us from the fears even before the answer to the prayer comes. And so, Lord, as we look to you this morning in light of the fears that we have, as we look to you this morning in light of the situation and circumstances in our lives and futures and families and hearts and bodies, Lord, we look to you and say, Lord, we need a Savior. Lord, we are weak and fearful. We've got situations that are messed up and beyond us. We don't know how all of this is going to turn out. We need a Savior. We need you. And then the response to our great need is an even greater invitation. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
It doesn't say try to believe that the Lord is good. It doesn't say work harder to be good. It says taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no verse that is more invitational to life with God, I think, than this. What is more intimate than tasting? What is more sure than seeing? We get to taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions will suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our problems, we are met with this great invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good, to experience and interact with the goodness of the Lord. In our great prayer for help, in our great need and lack, we get the invitation to taste and see. This morning, we're going to pass out communion, which is another way of tasting and seeing. It's a way that the Lord instituted and, and gave us to continue to come back to tasting and seeing his goodness. Because on the night before Jesus was killed, the night before he was crucified, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you do this, when you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. And this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of many. He took the cup. And in our great hunger and need for a Savior, he says, look, taste and see. It is a physical reminder that we get to take his strength and take it in the place of our weakness. We get to eat his body. We get to eat the bread remembering that his body was given for us, that his strength can enter into the place of our weakness, and that his blood was poured out for the forgiveness for the sins and the mess and the screw-ups that we have had in the past from the sin that other people have perpetrated against us, that his blood will forgive us and wash us clean and set us free. And all throughout the Old Testament, we were never allowed to drink blood. It was forbidden because it said blood is the life of the animal. But then Jesus says, this is my blood. Take it and drink. So in our weakness, we get to partake of his strength. In our death, in the areas that are dead, we get to partake of his life and receive new life in Christ. So if you are a Christian, feel free to take this bread and cup to remember and participate in tasting and seeing that the Lord is good.
So in the midst of our own great need, the Lord invites us to invite him into it, to taste and see that he is good. The last part of the psalm, David writes kind of the outworking and how this is going to look moving on in our lives. Psalm 34, 11, he says, come, O children, listen to me and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many good days to enjoy? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. A call to holiness is a call to stay in relationship with God. Evil, violence, it separates us from God. And so he invites us to forego evil, to do good, and to seek peace, because that is where God himself is found. Because that is who God is. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps their bones. Not one will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, but those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servant, and none who take refuge in him will be condemned. What is amazing is that Jesus is even the source of our righteousness. So if our area of weakness and need is our own sinfulness, that we can go to Jesus at the cross to receive forgiveness and freedom from sin. That Jesus himself can keep us in communion with God. The invitation is consistent to come back, to look to him to taste and see. And David 
gives us a little bit of a spoiler alert for our lives that just because we are in communion with God, it does not mean that it is going to be easy. <laughs> he gives us the promise that the, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles, which means the righteous have a lot of troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit that throughout our life, our hearts will break and our spirits will be crushed. We live in a world where sin is still active. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So I just want to encourage you not to be surprised when you encounter heartbreak, not to be surprised when you encounter difficulty. The promise of the Christian life is not that we will be free from pain, but that we have a Savior who rescues us from all of the pain, that he steps into our problems and into our pain and comes with the gospel that we have a Savior. We have one who will forgive us, one who will heal us, one who will pick us up and help us to continue to walk along, one who provides provides his strength in our weakness and his life in place of our death, his righteousness in place of our sin. The Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, and when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The consideration as we go out from here is what would it look like to work to maintain intimacy with God in the time of trouble rather than working hard to avoid pain? If we note from this verse, from Jesus's great affirmation in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. If we put our time and effort, if we remove it from trying to avoid pain, to trying to connect with our Savior who gives us the power to overcome the pain, I think it is amazing that we can look to him in our time of trouble, that we can taste and see that he is good, that we can receive his resources in the pain and wash, rinse, and repeat until eternity. When his kingdom finally comes and Jesus finally returns and vanquishes evil and death where he redeems the life of his servant, and those of us who take refuge in him will not be condemned. We will live in eternity with our God in his life and grace and goodness. So I want to pray for us. And then, Ralph, do you have one more song you want to close in that we can? Yeah. Jesus, thank you that you are good and present. Thank you that you are the God who steps into our broken and hopeless situations with your life with your gospel, with the good news that you are our Savior. You provide forgiveness and healing and strength. You provide comfort and peace. You provide specific care to those who come to you. Lord, my prayer for each of us is that you would help us in the times of trouble, in the trouble we face now, that we can turn to you and receive your peace and your healing and your comfort and your direction and your care. But God, all of the trouble that we face in our lives, that, Lord, you would help us to get in a rhythm of looking first to you, looking to what you did on the cross, what you are doing now in heaven through your spirit, how you are caring for us and empowering us and forgiving us and sanctifying us and setting us free. 
God, would you help us look first to you, not first to the pain or the avoidance of pain, not first to the shame of the problem that we're in or the lack of shame in our own performance, God. Would you help us in all things to look to you so that we can taste and see that you are good. God, thank you that we have a God that is not afraid of our pain, that is not afraid of our problem, that is not afraid of the reality of the screwed up situations that we find ourselves in. But we have a God in you, Jesus, who entered into the brokenness and pain, took it on himself so that we could be free and forgiven and alive in you. God, would you shorten the half-life of worry that we walk into or the, or the cycle of shame or the cycle of worry or the cycle of, of failure or whatever it is that we get trapped in? God, would you shorten that time frame that we can look to you more quickly and receive your life and your forgiveness and your resources more quickly? Help us walk in your ways to the glory of your name now and forever.